Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back over to No Earthly Explanation with your host, Don Schmidt, and myself, Brittany Barbieri. Don, it's been a crazy week, as always, and I always love sitting down, talking with you, catching up on the fascinating life of my favorite person in the world, Don. So, Don, what's well, been new? What's going on? Well, it's uh, you know, the world is is pretty much the, the defining our, uh, our very... Uh, actions from week to week because every morning we get up we don't know what to expect and we don't know what to believe anymore true and i think that the reasons that our our show has become so timely in that we're going to explore every possible explanation for any given subject because there are many opinions but then there's still the truth and we're going to search out that truth. And I think that's what I, and I'm sure you would agree, we're so excited that every few weeks we're going to come back with a new topic and we're going to, we're going to jump into it with, with all four feet and hopefully not only enlighten our audience, but also ourselves as well. Absolutely. And I think tonight they're going to be really, 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 really enlightened with our guest. And today on our guest that we have is Christopher Gartano. And a lot of people I think now are familiar with him from the Travel Channel special show that he did. And he actually produced, wrote, and I believe directed as well, uh, which is Strange World, which you can also recap now, I believe on Discovery Plus. So let's get into it. Let's dive into the strange world of Chris. Well, I'd like to welcome our guest today, and that is my good friend, Christopher Gartano. Chris, please tell us what do you have going on right now, and what have you been up to? And how are you? It's been too long. I'm doing well. I, uh, you know, obviously the world changed a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, I'd just gotten off the heels of my show, Strange World, which originally premiered on travel and then went forward, and, um, you know, it was a variety of investigations and topics that I always wanted to cover and uh, it was an eight-hour series and I was really excited about it and you know the world went into this crisis and uh, you know I had to adjust and so during the last two years on my own I decided that I, I think it would be best if I produced my own show uh, here in, in Florida where I'm living and it's turned out to be the best possible option and uh, in that time also I created a a podcast called Off to the Witch, and I did seven uh, episodes in, in kind of the same vein. I always, you know, I, instead of just focusing on the guest itself, I would pick something thematic, everything from either um, how the world was changing or some kind of paranormal topic, and the guest would, and I would dive deep into that together through their own life experience. And, you know, what I'm doing now is that there's a new group that's really interested in, in the new show I'm making independently and also the podcast. And I think we'll end up bringing that to the world together as a collaboration. And um, having full creative control over something like that is really important, too, because sometimes networks get into this uh, status quo construction of these things. We, we care so much about these topics, in other words. And, and these investigations. And it's very difficult to get 100% of your vision to the table, even when you're an executive producer or creator of the show. So having full control over everything in this new show that I'm making and its finality and the editing, which is honestly most important, 
you know, because we can get it out in the field, but if, if, if the decisions in the editing compromise the message that you're giving to the audience, because you're making this for an audience, uh, you'll never get it through, regardless of you capturing it on camera. So it's, it's honestly been, a, you know, it's difficult, but it's been a glorious time making these, these new things, and now I can deliver it and, and feel good about it. So that's what I've been doing the whole time. So, Chris, I know um, as far as your own podcast that you cover current events and fiction, nonfiction, movies, art, uh, off-the-wall topics that um, many would just dabble with. But uh, I'm curious, how did you come up with that title, Off, off the Witch? I, I love that. I was a big heavy metal fan and still yeah. am as a kid. Yeah. And Dio has a song called Last in Line. And mm -hmm. one of the lyrics in the song is We're Off to the Witch. And, and that's plural, off, off to the Witch. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I guess, and what it's suggesting is you're, you're off to something unique, bizarre, mysterious. Uh, everything in, in the world that we're diving into and we're investigating and we're exploring. And I felt that always a show should have a variety. And, you know, if I'm going to make one of these shows, because it takes years, as you know, and so much of your time, that I feel like uh, I should, you know, give, this is all for the audience in the end. I mean, it's partially for me because it's what I want to do, but we're delivering this to people. And I want to give them the best possible adventure they could have. You know, like, I'm always thinking about that, not just visually, but just entirely. The information, the subject matter, how we deliver it. It's always for the people watching and listening. And I want to spend the rest of my time doing this stuff for that audience and inspiring the audience. Uh, because I feel like so many of these examples are not the greatest we can give. And so the only way you're going to, first of all, it, it starts with your imagination and, and what right. that and then the only way you're going to do that in the end is to be in full control over the medium, or at least mostly in control. I don't mind collaborating. I just want to collaborate with like minds who want the same finality in the end. And the only way we're going to do that is if we're the right group. And so, so far I have the right group working with me right now on, on both projects. So it's, it's an right. exciting time. And I'm happy to answer any other questions you have. Yeah, so Chris, let's go back, right? Like, so when you were younger, what was something that happened to you that made you go, I'm meant for this. This is something that I want to do that's gonna take me on this journey. So, and I explore that in, in one of the new episodes of my show, my new show. And the name of the episode is called A Haunting We Will Go. I grew up with family ghost stories, like many of you. I grew up, my parents owned a video store as a kid, and I think it was fiction that mostly inspired me to get into the paranormal. I, I, I heard ghost stories, family ghost stories, things that other people experienced, but not me. And then I was so into the, the fictional version, and obviously I grew up on reruns of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy and Unsolved Mysteries, and I was just so immersed in that world. And it, those shows left a lot to the imagination as well. I would sit and think about those things before I fell asleep. And it wasn't until I was 14 years old that I actually had an experience. I was uh, staying at a friend's house, and I remember this vividly. You know, and, and again, I enter this situation with a head full of ghost stories and a head full of horror films. And all of those things I loved as a kid, you know, I, I have 
made and wanted to make movies and TV shows since I was a little kid. So this hasn't changed. My interest has not changed since then. And so this is one night, I'm 14 years old. I'm staying at my buddy's house. I'm falling asleep and there are these, uh, the glow in the dark stars that people would put on their ceilings. He had his ceiling just plastered in them. So I'm just looking at those. I think we were listening to music before that, but it was quiet at this point and I'm falling asleep. I fell asleep and then I wake up abruptly to this very loud whispering. And I was, I knew there was something off about it. And so the first thing I did is I, I called to the people in the room and I said, hey man, do you hear that? You know, and they woke up and said, I don't hear anything, go back to sleep. And I was just compelled to look around the house. I walked around the house looking to see where the source was. Um, my buddy lived with his sister and his mother. And so I walked into the hallway hoping this was, I just, it was kind of incoherent whispering. And I was like, all right, maybe I'm not hearing this correctly. And maybe it's his sister whispering on the phone so she won't wake anybody up. She was dead asleep. And then I walked down the steps and this whispering kept going. It was like, it was either gibberish or in another language that at that time I didn't recognize. You know, I, I don't speak more than a little bit of Spanish and English is my primary language, but uh, I can recognize what is Russian, what is French now. Back then, maybe I couldn't. And so, I, you know, I re I'm remembering it as gibberish. I couldn't make out the words, but there was a cadence to it. And it was coming out as a female whispering. It sounded like it was coming from a female. So I went down the steps to further investigate and it was still loud. And his mother was fast asleep. So nobody in the house was making this noise. There was no radio making this. It was just felt strange. Anybody who's ever had an experience like that, they'll tell you, no, this was something else. And I felt it. I felt it in my, my bones and my, I was having chills. And so I went back to the room and laid down on the floor and just fell asleep listening to this. And I was kind of terrified and it really affected me. And I only heard it one other time the following night. And that was the last time I ever heard it. I never heard it before that or after that. I think that was my first profound, I guess, experience into the paranormal. And back then I thought it was a ghost. And that's the easy explanation to put on it. But now I'm exploring other ideas. You know, we, through quantum physics, we're, we're discovering that there are multiple realities, multiple dimensions, perhaps occurring at the same time, simultaneous to us. Um, Perhaps it was some other force from another planet. I mean, you know, you have to keep an open mind to this. It's the only way we're ever going to understand our existence, why these things happen, why we see these or experience these anomalies. And I think that should be the next phase. And if we're going to cover this in, in television and in radio, we should start leaning towards that. That's the direction we need to go in next. And of course, keep it entertaining. That doesn't mean it needs to be stupid. It just, I, you know, we're giving this to an audience. We want to hold their attention. So these are all the things running through my mind. And, and that was one of the things that I experienced that made me intensely want to get into this and investigate. Because I had a little... Chris, oh, sure. Go ahead. Chris, if I may just jump in first, I'm glad you mentioned as far as with the voices and even the consideration that it may have been from another plane of existence, even out there, even extraterrestrial. And uh, I only mention this because we had the same literary agent at the time, and it's, he's the late John Keel. And he often wrote about what he considered not extraterrestrial, but ultra-terrestrial. 
In other words, it's something right here. They are, you know, out of view as far as uh, as they choose, and they can materialize, and they can even become audible at times that we would hear them, for example. And he did a, an entire series of articles where, especially in, involving police officers, working nights, working night shift, and that they would have their radios turned off. And typically on the low frequency, all at once, they would pick up all types of, as he described, guttural, almost like grunting, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, audio as far as communication, like almost barking between, you know, one source and another. And that are typically would be UFO sightings in the area at the time. And so he tried to draw the connection, the idea that uh, this was something unearthly, that this was something, again, beyond our, our comprehension. But nonetheless, these people heard it audibly. It was something that was right there, and yet uh, no, no explanation, and, and never able to determine what the source was, except that later they would learn that there were UFOs reported within the vicinity. So it, it, I, 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 didn't, I was going to ask, did you ever hear of other people that had a similar experience that uh, they would hear voices, even what sounded to be like a foreign language sure. within the, the protection of their homes, their beds, that type of thing? I have. I've, I've talked to other people since then that have experienced that type of whispering. And again, their, their first propensity is to suggest, well, I'm, I'm haunted or the house is haunted. Right. Right. Yeah. The easy, uh, super broad stroke explanation for it, which is okay. But what what is a haunting, and what is that? I mean, there's several types of hauntings. There are possessions. There are what we call poltergeists. There, and I think not that these terms are archaic, but the direction you're, I mean, just from talking to you for a moment, clearly you're thinking in a forward direction, and you're trying to. Uh, or probably have explored this in that way on, a, on, on multiple realities or quantum realities, because we don't even understand our existence, let alone what we can just suggest that every anomaly that you experience is some kind of deceased human being. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think that's what it is. I, I, and and the, the great author H.P. Lovecraft wrote a short story called From Beyond. And the modern exploration of that in science uh, was the work of Michael Persinger, who I yes. explained a little bit to get into further. Right. Yeah, and the uh, earthquake lights, uh, shifting of earth, of uh, quartz formations, and creating uh, hallucinations as far as the frontal lobe of the brain. Right. Correct, yeah. and he created several devices to simulate that geomagnetic Correct. field or geo, uh, or electromagnetic energy. One of which I have in my garage right now. <laughs> oh, have, very good. I have a god. Persinger is is passed on now, right? right. So the god passed. helmet. Yeah, he did. He did pass away unfortunately just before we had a chance to work with him, and we were working with his lab, and it was way too soon, and so they didn't end up taking part fully in in um, in my show Strange World. But I would love to explore that further because I felt like that was somebody who was getting close. And there was a book written by Mary Roach called Spook. And that short um, few paragraphs about meeting Persinger, when she met him, she went into his, his haunt box, which was like the size of a freight elevator. And you, as a subject, would be bombarded with electromagnetic energy. And right. 
she did have some kind of audible experience in there, but other people saw things. And I'm so fascinated by that research because I think if anyone is conducting a true scientific research into the unknown, that he was getting close. And perhaps, and I, see, I don't know this for sure, but, and maybe some of his colleagues would argue, but when he was being interviewed, he, it was almost suggesting that it was the electromagnetic field that would cause a hallucination. But I think secretly, you know, maybe he was doing that for the grant money because he truly believed that this was opening up something to another world. And when he was asked that question, he said, well, I haven't ruled it out. So perhaps he couldn't speak about that publicly because the grant money was coming in for something that would be an anomalous effect from electromagnetic energy. But once again, what is that, you know? And what are we seeing? Is it a hallucination or is it opening some kind of doorway? And these questions should be asked because very credible people throughout history have experienced these things. And, um, and so many people, I mean, throughout human history have experienced these things. And I mean, just as it's just as anything should be explored, this should be scientifically. And sometimes I feel like it's held back from us. And I'm sure a lot of other people would agree. I'm really glad you pointed that out regarding Persinger because he generally is perceived as a skeptic, as someone who, who had tried to uh, come up with a, a plausible explanation for the UFO abduction experiences, that they were, you know, in the presence of a, a, a shifting quartz formation, giving off a luminous display, and then they would hallucinate, you know, a UFO encounter, that type of thing. And the argument against that was always, well, why are they always hallucinating the exact same thing? That right. it wasn't based on their background, their environment, that type of thing. So, but that if he actually was saying that this could be a potentially a portal, that this was uh, an actually a, an opening into another realm, another existence, then he, as you, you, you said, Chris, he kept it to himself. And, and most likely because he was receiving funding, you know, certain grants, to uh, you know, invest in his his research, and um, so I, as I would, as you just mentioned, I think this is a type of work that needs to continue, and and hopefully there are others that are following in his footsteps. Sure, I, I read between the lines and a lot of the answers that he gave, and like if I was in his position and getting that funding, I'd be very careful about what I'm saying, but still accomplishing the same goal in the end. He doesn't need to announce every intention, every thought he had about it. Stay with science in, in the explanation. Since I've used the God helmet, I definitely, and again, some people might be upset over this, but I had some weird effects from it, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating about this. They, some somewhat narcoleptic effects I have, um, you know, especially after using it and going through several sessions, I would sit down and close my eyes and immediately be in a dream state. Um, and that happens now, like as soon as I fall asleep or even in that twilight phase, I'll be dreaming and awake and it happens so easy. My dreams are so vivid and they always were, but since then I would say somewhat enhanced and, um, I'm not quick to use it again because I'm not sure what the ultimate effect would be on my brain. It may be negative. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, but it, it certainly did affect me. And, you know, I talked about it somewhat in the show, but I feel like it, it, requires to dive deeper into this and maybe dedicate several episodes to it or a discussion you know i think most people should i think this is the realm we need to go in you know if, if for paranormal exploration you know getting into quantum sciences and and if we're interested and i think we should know 
because um, it might dispel a lot of uh, things that keep us back or a lot of fears that we have. It's part of our evolution, perhaps. Well, and I think that there's layers to paranormal. It's not just one straight line. And I think everybody likes to stay on that straight line all the time because there's fear guiding that straight line to where they're afraid to dabble in all the areas of it. And then when you actually talk to people like you or Don or myself or others who really want to dive deeper because there are others that were more invested in certain areas and certain parts to kind of expose, and I hate to even use the word, but expose the truth to it that there are areas even on our planet that hold high energy fields, that things happen there. And quartz have a lot of power and energy to do things with. And all of these things amplified in certain areas, we don't know what they could do or what they hold, or like in some places of Sedona, they talk about portals and because the high energies there that are natural on our planet. So if there's people that are truly trying to harness different types of energy or technology, and again, the everyday science, does, it frowns upon this type of stuff because they don't really want to get into this field or <laughs> really talk about it. So you do any personal interest, you do have to kind of keep it a little bit to yourself until you can bring something hard, like really good hard fact to, to fight them on for them to say, okay, you have a good valid point here. Now let's talk about that and why and what brought you to this analysis that brought us here today. Sure, I agree. And a lot of the time, for public consumption, it's it's it has always been uh, delivered to us as mostly entertainment purposes only. But if you look through mm -hmm. government archives throughout the world, they have all experimented in this realm. And why would they fund and put so much money into this type of research if it was nothing to look into? And so you can find uh, aspects of that throughout history, throughout government experiments. Um, in, in many continents, you know, not just here. And so there's a reason not to just stay on a paranoid thread, but there's right. a good reason to believe that some people are leaders and, and people behind a lot of money certainly know that there's more to this and that those things have been used for a very long time. And of course, with soft disclosure happening or just disclosure in general that you've seen lately, there is confirmation that yes, they've been well aware that these technologies that don't exist of earth have been confirmed. And, you know, everything that we've said all this time seems to be true. It's such a bizarre time. Uh, also exciting to be part of, but mm -hmm. uh, dangerous too, um, because I don't, now I wonder what is going on here. Sometimes I, on a daily basis, I'm questioning like, wow, you know, like this is, What's happening next here? So take caution. Well, it almost feels like we're living in a sci-fi movie yeah. some days. <laughs> well, exactly. That's what I was going to expound on. And as far as yeah. your award-winning uh, documentary, as far as the um, Montauk Project, and yeah. what if um, we are all are experiencing something on a global basis right now, that this is expanded to beyond just a hundred thousand people that they supposedly were conducting, you know, this psychological warfare experimentation at um, the former Camp Hero Air Force Base back in the seventies. And uh, I had met Al uh, uh, Bellick mm -hmm. years before that, and uh, and it was only because he was he was talking about uh, a time travel, 
He was doing a lecture on time travel. And he didn't really get uh, into what they were supposedly doing to, to, to himself and, and the two others who were the subjects uh, of, your, of your film. So it, were, you, were there other names, were there other people involved that were reluctant witnesses who you had hoped would come forward? Or um, is this just uh, the extent of the people that were good enough on camera that at least could uh, you know, make their case? Sure. So to answer your question, so Montauk Chronicles was the beginning and I felt always delicately looking into things so I can learn and, and not suggest I'm an expert because I read some stuff on Wikipedia. So I did sit with Al Bielik, Preston Nichols, all the usual suspects in the very beginning. And I listened. And really Montauk Chronicles, is, as you know, as you watch it, it's just a character study. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm not even really giving my opinion in that film. It wasn't until I did uh, a true investigation for History Channel called The Dark Files, which was a sequel to Montauk Chronicles. And so accompanying me, there was an ex-CIA agent and uh, journalist from Washington Post named Steve Volk. Uh, Barry Eisler was the ex-CIA agent. But we did bring geophysicists to the actual ground to check into scientifically what they said. And now I felt all of the above could have been a mixture of made up stories and some real stuff. The real stuff being the experiments. Those experiments are tantamount to things we've proved in the past, like MKUltra, Holmesburg Prison. And we visited that. We visited Holmesburg Prison in the dark files. But the geophysicists ran their experiments. It was called electric resistivity imagery, where they basically nailed spikes into the ground near Camp Hero. And they got a vertical slice of information that proved 100% that there was a man-made structure deep beneath the ground, which was denied by every official that we checked in with first. If we can prove, and I would say if someone wanted to continue that investigation, uh, yes, I understand there could have been all of this anomalous stuff. There could have been children kidnapped and murdered there, but it all starts with full disclosure and proof that there is a base underneath that ground. When you can prove that, and I believe you will be able to if you use the same equipment, that's a great start to the next phase of this. And being that there have been similar things that have happened before that we were able to prove, those government programs, plus there's some disclosure of, of UFOs and, and things from other worlds or other dimensions. I don't think this is so far-fetched. Could it have been that other people uh, got on board to these stories and lied? Yes, that happens too, because there are truthful stories that people see and they say, yeah, I had that experience too, or I can cash in on this. That happens, and just because that may have happened doesn't right. mean it's not true. So it doesn't disqualify everyone else correct right not, mm -hmm. at all. not at all and in mentioning mk ultra i mean the fact that the church hearings and the rockefeller foundation in actually establishing that the cia was conducting such testing with lsd and essentially mind altering as far as uh, efforts in, in getting uh, confessions and altering people's perceptions for example even on a battlefield for example we can date, you know, as far as ESP back to the late 1940s, that they've long, you know, considered the possibility that we could create a new reality and have people believe that they're being surrounded by an army of a million people, when in reality, it's only 100, that type of thing. So there's nothing far-fetched 
that uh, they've been, you know, conducting such research. It's just the count, the, the, the count, the, the accountability of the government that they're never going to admit anything that they would accept and assume responsibility for. Agreed. But if enough people catch them, like in the case of Holmesburg Prison, and it and it yeah. becomes undeniable, then you you could. In the case of Montauk, you know, people have asked me along the way, you know, are, were you worried? As I got further at the in the beginning, no because I don't know if I believe those guys. But then when I got a little further and I realized these things have happened, especially you know, uh, using people under false pretenses for these bizarre experiments and uh, mind control experiments are real. They have happened 100%. Uh, so I take caution, especially if children were murdered in yes. the of that experiment, that someone's gonna be held accountable for that. And mm -hmm. You know, I kind of stopped my investigation at that point. And again, there's a lot of people that say they want to look into it further. Most of the people are dead that I spoke to. Uh, and to answer your other question, yes, there were other witnesses and they had some of the best evidence and they backed out last minute. And I'm not making this up. There was- I I, And there are many people, Chris, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yes. they, they had better stuff than anyone I ever heard. And, and the stories checked out. There was so much detail, dates, places, names, and they last minute just, no, I can't do this. You know, I can't. It might be wise to try to get some form of sealed statement that they would at least write something down for posthumous mm -hmm. relief because uh, they, they need to put it on the historic record. Uh, it's not gonna do anyone any good to take it with them. I mean, that's the best thing they could do for their fellow man in all this. I agree. I think this individual was worried that she would no longer get a pension for what, you know, because she was getting on in years and um, she saw a lot and, and she checked out. She really had worked for these facilities. And uh, there are other people, even from Brookhaven labs that, mm -hmm. that some of this stuff checked out, but it's, it's hard to get them involved because they're worried. You know, because it's a very similar situation. They're worried. It's um, like it's like they want to talk because we got that far in conversation. But I'm being respectful of them, and and I've never revealed their name publicly, and I haven't even exploited that situation. I haven't really talked much about it. See, back in the late '40s and post Roswell incident, 1947, one of the quickest ways that they found that they could discredit witnesses, especially civilian would be to threaten to put them in asylums. In other words, we're gonna put you in a mental hospital for the rest of your life. And back then they were torture chambers. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially short of uh, lobotomies that then would become standard uh, procedure that they would try to erase your memory. And as a result, your memory of just everything else throughout the course of your life. And I think because of the compartmentalization of the government, of the military, that as a result in having plausible deniability, that you only know so much that you can never finger one individual or individuals and hold them solely accountable. That And that's how they get away with this, and they have for decades, because yeah. they only know so much of the puzzle. Sure. And so uh, thank God there are the whistleblowers and people that power in numbers that, and thank God for, for efforts such as that you have done, Chris, and in, in bringing this to the fore, because if not, most people would have no idea 
Mm-mm. that, you know, such uh, as far as horrendous uh, a treatment of human beings has ever taken place. We're talking about fellow Americans sure. that have been suggest, uh, subjected to murder and torture and, yeah. and essentially brainwashing. Yeah, it's of the worst kind if if it was real, and I believe it was, and obviously it was real in other places, that um, it's something that I couldn't even portray in a movie. That's why I, you know, my interest began as, oh, wow, this is an interesting story that these old men are telling, and it'll make a great movie. And I'm being honest about that. It did, it evolved over time, and it, it terrifies me that these things actually happened. And um, just carefully walking through this life, because, there's some scary. I mean, even you've noticed in the last two years, some of these things have been revealing themselves because these people think on levels of deception that we couldn't comprehend. Right. Triple crosses, you know, like things, mm-hmm. they, they deliver things in that way. And, um, and they'd be very happy that the populace is dumbed down in some virtual reality world, which again, those things are fun, but um, I think that'll be pushed upon us. Uh, and again, you know, you could say, oh, well, don't get into conspiracy realms. Well, we have reason to, Uh, you know, I think um, just very much so. Yeah, very cautious about taking the next Keeping in mind who created that very term, conspiracy, the kook, (laughs) the very arbiters, the very perpetrators of the conspiracies, the CIA. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've noticed a lot of the contradictions, even in the recent two years, many of them. But again, just like you said, it's it's made so, it's pre-made. So if you were to come out and challenge that, their safety is, we've already established that anybody that challenges this narrative is crazy. And it's right. like, okay, I noticed that too. But you just choose your words wisely in these days. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen next. I believe the proverbial good guys are out there and um i think that they see the things we do and um, perhaps they're working to keep things even hopefully they have to sleep at night they have families they have to consider what they're bequeathing their their very children and uh if they want to remain on the dark side well that's their choice but for those who know better and uh and again, I commend you for being one of the people as far as uh, leading on, as far as exposing, you know, these atrocities. So I thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, I kind of did it by accident in the beginning, only because I was interested in this spooky story. But something always puzzled me about that story, because that story was first introduced by Preston Nichols in the early 90s with that very short uh, pamphlet novel that, that he wrote as a as a wonderful time travel story somehow leaving out all the torture murder and all this other stuff and there was such a collection of ideas in the montauk story that i felt this is really strange this is the strangest story i've ever read in the paranormal because it's like this story of kidnapping and murder and torture and worse that we don't need to talk about and and then there's this monster from another dimension and then like it's just the weird it's almost like a cover-up for a really atrocious act (laughs) forward first and so my focus has always been on the the boys program and um 
you know, people have asked, has anyone come after you? The only thing I can say is that I've, I've been approached by weird people in when I got to making television uh, here and there and some odd events happened and some weird cautions happened uh, throughout that process. And I always wanted to be honest and tell the truth and not over sensationalize anything. And somehow there was always that push to do that or even making the dark files, there would be an, a person that would come over and say, see, now do you understand? And do you understand that this is all false? And I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> not at all, so. I think that happens so, though quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. In any of these fields, I think that happens quite a bit. The problem is though, is that fear drives a lot of people and a lot of eyewitnesses and a lot of witnesses and a lot of people that went through things and when they're talked to and they're told you say this or else you're not going to get the truth and sometimes it takes a deathbed for those confessions to come forward because they don't want to take it to their grave and they finally come forward and then there's those that are afraid to come forward and then they're afraid that people are digging too deep into what really happened and they're afraid their name's going to come up and they're going to be attacked for it sure. but you push through because it's the truth and you're trying to help those that were tortured so so chris was it your impression that um at, at, at montauk again that the whole notion of time travel and extraterrestrials which again what's the connection to the kidnappings and the murder and the psychological warfare as far as tactics was were they inserted just to discredit any possible witnesses at the moment because back then up until just recent years, it was such a taboo topic. At the moment you start talking about ETs, you were immediately, you know, were, uh, you, you know, discredited. So was this just, again, a tactic on their part? So they inserted. Yeah. At the time I felt 100% yes, this was all fabricated to distract from the mind control program. Now, mm -hmm. oddly enough, I'm starting to believe just about everything that was told to me really did happen. Wow. I, you wow. know, like, only because, all right, uh, let's take, let's, let's separate this into sections for a second. So, so the mind control programs of the past that are tantamount to the one I was looking into uh, have been confirmed, like right. Holmes Prison and MK Ultra, And so they're 100% similar to what mm -hmm. said happened in, in Montauk, except maybe different people were used, prisoners were used at Holmesburg, orphanages were, were used. So why not runaway kids in the 70s and early 80s? So that's very believable. Now we have this disclosure coming from the government. They're not saying aliens, but they did say this technology that's been buzzing around us for a long time that we've denied all this time is certainly not of any earthly origin. Mm -hmm. So that's an alien, but then where is it from? <laughs> So, exactly. You know, it's classified as other. Other is the new word. Other. Okay. Other. And so all of the above coupled with the fact that I rem remember sitting in Al Bielik's backyard in Fort Myers, Florida many years ago. It was 06. And he said just about everything that's going on now, the chaos, the separation, the, the viruses, the conspiracies that are happening, he talked about these things years ago. It was the first time I ever heard these things. And he said all of that was going to happen. Could it have been a total coincidence on his part and maybe history repeating itself? Yeah, sure. 
but I just feel like it's so bizarre that Al told me most of what's going on now, even technologies that weren't available back then have been revealed since. And was there some credibility to Al Bielik? I believe there was. Was there credibility to Preston Nichols? I, I think he saw some stuff. I don't, maybe he was hired as a handyman. Maybe he was part of something in, in, in a way that he hasn't really expressed, but I feel there was some kind of genuine expression on their part when challenged about the Montauk boys and talked about these things. Why would th these old men just make this up? And then a lot of it come true later. And I'm just asking honest questions. If someone has a good answer for it, I'm always happy to hear it. I'm not, I, I've never just, you know, uh, extremely lean towards wanting to prove anything. I'm, I have questions, my brain works, so, I, you know. It's like the, uh, the vampire confronted by the journalist and then saying, go ahead, tell the world you have no proof. And wouldn't that be the ultimate irony that these men were implanted with the actual plan for the future, knowing that nobody would believe them at the time until it would come to pass and then it's too late to respond, to do anything about it. But that you're able to come back, Chris, and go, my God, he told me all about this, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that type of thing. There were technologies that just came into play in the last three years that Al told me about in 06. And I was like, this is just crazy, but I'm having fun. You know, I, I love hearing stories from an old man that has these elaborate tales. That's how I approached it at first. Yeah. But that's how it seems like it's always approached. Like, isn't that terrible when people come forward? And like you said, you just stated, people look at them like, oh, it's just an old man's story. But that's not the case half the time. Like most of the time when these gentlemen or even ex-military that are older come forward with these tales are trying to tell you what's going on and what's happening. And yet they're looked upon like, and I've shared with Don, oh, they're getting old. They're getting senile. They, they don't know what they're talking about anymore. We should just ignore them and a lot of the times media people try and poo-poo them and put them under the rug quickly because they don't want stuff being said of but it, those are the people we do need to listen to the ones that do try and come forward and say i just want to share this with you because it happened to me and i want it to get out there before i'm gone those are the voices you have to listen to because those are the ones that are telling us what we need to know to prepare us and if we don't stop and listen to them I agree with you and my technique back then and, and still is kind of allowing the audience to hear what I'm hearing without shoving my opinion in their face. For mm -hmm. instance, and, I, and I'm a firm believer that Timothy Leary was part of MKUltra and I'll tell you why. When we were making The Dark Files, everybody with me was like, no, Timothy Leary was exactly what he was promoted as in the, in the 60s. He was peace and love, wanted everyone to drop acid, Okay, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me because guess what? We have footage that's available of Timothy Leary hanging out with MK Ultra scientists, literally pinching their cheeks and laughing. Mm -hmm. And then he gives acid to a whole generation of free thinking people and tells everyone to start taking the exact drug that they were using for mind control in MK Ultra. I have questions, you know? Yeah. So I, I that raises some eyebrows. I can see why you have questions. No to his family or anybody, but I have some serious questions. Why on earth would he be good friends with MK Ultra scientists and then be suggesting to an entire generation of susceptible people to start dropping acid 
And then, you know, the love generation was killed by Charles Manson and his group who were all dropping acid. And Manson was a, you could say, victim of MKUltra. He was trained in mind control in those experiments. There are some one, dots to connect, you know. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Could uh, as suggested like Sirhan Sirhan as far as with the Robert Kennedy assassination. Sure. And then the, the, the mm -hmm. idea that it's, it's, it's though something triggers them that in the case of uh, Sirhan Sirhan that uh, it's suggested that a car horn blows outside and just like that he responds the way he did that type of thing so that we have walking time bombs so to speak that are pre that they're programmed to fulfill a certain mission and then after the fact they have absolutely no recollection no recall that they even did something so so terrible mm -hmm. and so uh, I, I think we may have a, an army of, of, of people that at the ready right now that would perform, you know, such, you know, such terrible feats. And oh, yet to perform and act like we've never conducted such experimentation before. No, that's 100% real. The Manchurian candidate type soldiers are a real confirmed thing. Alan Horn Hornbloom wrote a book called Acres of Skin. And he suggested 100% that they found evidence through the Holmesburg prison experiments that no, these weren't just horrible cosmetic tests. He's like, do not listen to that. They weren't just radiation experiments. They were mind control experiments to create Manchurian candidate type soldiers. Mm -hmm. So what do you think Sirhan Sirhan was? You know, it, just like you suggested, it's it's the same thing. So these things aren't far-fetched. I think a lot of people are trained in a way to immediately say, no, that's crazy. I saw that in a movie by, what was it? John Frankenheimer made the Manchurian Candidate, you know, the original. Um, you know, I saw that movie years ago. Uh, that's not real, but it is real. It's We've been able to confirm that these things are real. And so if they're real, that opens up a whole new spectrum of thought. And that is where my, my mind is, is that I'm, I'm cautious because there are charlatans that embed themselves into these conspiracies for sure. And that could be part of disinformation or just someone's board. Right. But they exist. And, and the truth is much more elaborate than any fiction that's out there. It's very real. These things did happen. And again, you know, one of the recent things was, and because I was about to say, do your own research, well, notice how they took that phrase and made it a taboo recently. Mm -hmm. they made fun of it in the news, like, do your own research. How dare you? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, do your own research, meaning look back in archives, uh, FOIA requests, real documents, real interviews with real victims, not conspiracy. Don't get into some kind of conspiracy that's been diluted. There's, there's enough evidence out there to actually conduct your own research for sure into these subjects. Well, and that's they the thing realize, is they don't. Go ahead, Don. Well, and they realize that people just don't have the wherewithal, wouldn't know where to start looking, or they don't have the financial backing, as you would have, like with the History Channel, Discovery Travel, that type of thing, that you could actually conduct your own independent research. Still, you know, with the plan that I hope this sees the light of day, that uh, I will be able to present my objective case before an audience to decide and judge for themselves. But thank God for cable television 
and all these potential outlets because God knows the, uh, the, the mainstream media and the networks would never touch these topics. They're just that taboo, just out of the question. No, we've had pushback, I remember. And again, you know, a lot of my approach, there have been some odd things that have happened along the way. They're, they're, they're under the table, they're in the, dark, in the shadows. So there's never been like this abrupt threat to me or anything like that. It's all been like, well, if you don't do it this way, then we're not gonna do anything with you. I'm like, okay, well, that's okay. <laughs> and that so happens you do quite have a bit. Shed, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happens quite a bit. They want to steer it in the direction that they're comfortable knowing that it can go. And when you want to push a certain topic, they're like, nope, we're not doing that. It's not going to happen. I could say for sure 9-11 was off limits. I remember there's a lot of outtakes for the dark files. So one trip we made never even made it into the show. And that was to Washington, D.C. I won't say his name, but um, we spoke to a U.S. Marshals psychiatrist. And off the record, he's told... Barry Eisler and I, that there was a high profile politician that was uh, doing some horrible things and that they were trying to get him back on the straight and narrow. Why do we have to, these people are, we are electing these people as our leaders and we, they're doing these atrocious, like near serial killer type things. <laughs> uh, we have issues. We have some serious issues we need to fix for sure. And no doubt, no doubt. And I, 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 I don't mean to keep harping back to like 1947 you had the uh, national national security act which was signed into place by then harry truman within days after the Roswell incident so for the first time american citizens could spy on one another for the first time everyone was suspect and as a result everyone was a potential target that you yeah. could be used as far as towards an ends for anything that would benefit the state, so to speak. And as a result, uh, the military, when I would interview witnesses and they would talk about how they would, immediately after the detonation of an atomic bomb and they would send troops in the ground zero within minutes after the detonation, not to test the effect on the troops, but on their equipment, planes flying through the mushroom clouds, the equipment, it was all, well, wait, 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 you know, we can replace you. It's the equipment that we're concerned about. Yeah. And when you think back now for 75 years that we've had this attitude towards our, you know, our, our very, you know, the patriots, people that we live with, our neighbors, you know, people that we elect in the office. Is it any wonder that you still have people in the media that say, can't go there, won't touch that. And then it, what became of our watchdogs at the gate those that are supposed to be, you know, watching the hen house with uh, the coyotes circling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, again, that's why I'm very careful because, you know, pick your battles wisely. There's a way to enlighten. And if, if, if enough people step forward and look into things intelligently, then we have, um, I think, an example of one solution. And so it could be done in an inadvertent way. In other words, where every bit of material that you're putting out is is in uplifting a mind and opening a mind. And inadvertently, that might inspire a lot of people to look into the things we're talking about and then mm -hmm. stand their ground. Whereas the reverse, if you notice, is happening. Think about, and I know you've thought about this because I'm listening to you. 
both of you. And a lot of the things that are pushed in the forefront of not only pop culture, but even the things that we investigate are kind of puerile. <laughs> They're reduced. They're watered mm -hmm. down on purpose. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are they at the bottom of the barrel all the time? And I think what they're doing is detracting from that. And then think about the most prominent people held out in front of us. They're, they aren't the most imaginative people. I mean, I, I know who every single one of the Kardashians are, but again, I've never seen their show and I don't even know who they are. I know their names <laughs> because they're shoved at us constantly. Right. Why? There's so many more interesting people in the world. This is no offense to them. I know they're human beings, but at the same time, I sometimes I feel like all of that is done on purpose. It's it's to keep our minds weak and keep our inspiration low and keep us from thinking. And I'd like to help do the reverse, to in inspire the reverse of that. And again, that can be done through entertainment, through art. Uh, so if we can bring things that stimulate the mind, someone out there, a great researcher will say, all right, enough. And enough people will stand up and say, no, you know, because if you have a daily dose of mental stimulation, uh, and inspiration, then there'll be enough of us that will resist a lot of the things that I think are happening. Now, when you say that in an essence, it's a type of brain control over an entire population to keep them where you want them so that they don't do what you want them not to do. Sure. Sure. What better way to do it? You have control of the media, you have control of everything. Yeah. Everything you think you see you didn't see that didn't happen i mean really that's how it feels these days chris have you ever uh done uh, this or felt it necessary that just like the late uh tom clancy's and or like richard theme where they will write something or present something as fiction whereas it's it's not it's 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 but it's their it's their means to present the truth and not be as far as held accountable or held responsible for being a whistleblower or dis disclosing something sensitive mm -hmm. okay I have you things that allow the viewer to read through the read between the lines i believe there are a lot of things prove that this type of technique has been used throughout history. And I know we explored that a little bit in Strange World when we talked to, I met, I met with Remote Viewer Number One and all of these super soldier type, you know, ex-officials uh, that were part of these programs. And one gentleman I spoke to, I think he wrote a book called Making Captain America. I don't know, I have it on my, my shelf back there. But he, it suggested that there were government operatives that went to Marvel and DC in the early years and suggested certain things to keep that in the public eye. In other words, the X-Men, you know, way back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. so these things were created and these comic books came out. And think about it, some of the greatest, you know, most funded movies we're talking, you know, they make a billion dollars at the box office are these type of government program ideas. Um, I was writing a show and still will make it. And it was actually in a, a low level green light just before COVID hit about this type of thing where I would explore the uh, science fiction of the 20th century and look at the technologies now and also look into the conspiratorial aspects. Of it. And I think there's a lot of truth to support what you're saying. I, there, there are, there's documented proof that there were operations to put things into 
the media, put things into movies, not so much literature, but put things into um, even music and comic books and especially big profile movies that require a lot of money to make. You know, oddly enough, like think about Joker, what a dark movie and I think an incredible movie at times, but it's such a sinister air about it. Yet that movie made up over a billion dollars in initial run at box office. Amazing. Yeah, it's such a dark film and it covers aspects of, it really uh, subverts the audience in a way where you're, you're rooting for this villain, this psychopath. And so they're getting like the whole world to kind of root for this psychopath in this movie. It's a weird, I get a weird feeling every time I watch that movie, I like the movie, but it gives me this dark feeling. And I watch a lot of films my whole life, you know, in, in the realm of darkness. And which sometimes- pretty much where the world is today. Yeah, it's very, very becoming sadly very cynical. Right, and, and that happened just before, not too long before our world went on fire in the middle of a global pandemic. People were almost being encouraged to burn cities down. Well, that mm. was happening at the end of Joker. I'm just saying, if you were to lend to this conspiracy, think about how Joker gets you to go with the man who's inspiring these mobs to burn a city down in the name right. of the idea of justice. And that happened a year later. So you mentioned Marvel, and as far as you have your own graphic novel, um, as far as South Texas Blues, mm -hmm. uh, how is that proceeding? Uh, well, we put out part one, and um, I've decided, you know, I wrote the screenplay well before we made, uh, Trevor Cook is the artist on the graphic novel, I wrote it. Uh, I decided to put out the screenplay in its entirety as a piece of literature later this year. And um, just because I, I have other uh, artistic ventures, like for instance, I'm writing a book right now and it's, it's getting close to completion called Montauk Boys, where it's, it's uh. where I would go with this Montauk story next is a fictional take based on a lot of conversations I had with people who claim they were Montauk Boys. It takes place in post the initial project in 1986, where it's being regenerated secretly. And um, we're going to sprinkle some truisms uh, within uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, no offense. Right. I, I like Stranger Things and all, but it's not that. This is a, a, a different thing. It's, it's closer to what I learned along the way in my investigations and from the perspective right. of, you know, the bad kids on the street that were being used in these experiments. So it's fictional. Well, I put a lot of, I guess, truth that I learned along the way in it. But as oh, we know, fic fiction is uh, more times than not based on fact. Sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. The same goes for legends. Where there's a legend, there is some part truth. So. Sure. And, and it's not <clears throat> often at, at having an open mind to these things. You know, I am not, um, I'm not gullible. And I always take caution with anything that anyone tells me. I'll, I'll pause and I'll think about it and I'll never just go along with somebody just because. So as long as you have that, then you don't have to worry about what you're ingesting. And um, I see a lot of censorship happening right now, which is also lending to this conspiratorial way of thinking. <laughs> like I think, well, why would we be censoring everything? In the past, we didn't need to do that. You know, um, Just if you don't like it, tune it out. Shut it off. Don't watch. The truth has a long history of being censored. Sure. And, uh, thanks to people such as yourself, there's still a chance that uh, 
the truth will always win out. So I both applaud you for that. And uh, as we, we close the show, certainly anything else that you would uh, like to mention, certainly your website and uh, where we can see you next and where we see you right now. Thank you. Yeah. I, um, so I'm signing on to a new deal very soon that incorporates uh, my new, my podcast in a new chapter. Uh, so it'll be reaching a much bigger audience and uh, my new shows going forward too. Uh, there's a great plan for that in place and having some good conversations about it. It's, it's about picking the right collaborators. So uh, if you're interested in seeing anything I've done, um, you can go to my YouTube channel at Garitano, it's my last name, number seven, and you can watch Montauk Chronicles, the documentary I made some years ago for free. The follow-up to that, The Dark Files, uh, is available, I think, in many platforms uh, to check out. And my podcast, you can listen to also on the YouTube channel, but it's going to be changing its uh, platform soon because we're going into this new venture. So it, uh, I'll, I'll make an announcement for that. But currently, you can listen to it on Spotify. There's seven episodes out there and on my YouTube channel or Apple Podcasts and all those other platforms. And uh, my new show will be available, I can't say yet, but later this year uh, on, a, on a network platform. And um, there's a few other things I'm working on, but my show Strange World, uh, the first season that I made, uh, right now is owned by another network and they'll probably be broadcasting it again later in the year. Good, uh, good. But if anybody wants to see all eight episodes for research purposes, just email me and I'll send them to you. That's awesome, Chris. Is there um, another place that people can socially interact with you? Do you have any social links that people can uh, get to talk to you on a social level? I'm on Instagram at Garitano, my last name seven. Um, my YouTube channel is the same or White Phosphorus Pictures YouTube channel. It's my, my movie company. And um, I'm on Facebook. So just look me up. I'm there. Say hello. And again, like if you want to see Strange World right now, you don't want to wait till it's rebroadcast in the States. I'll send it to you for research. <laughs> I love it. I think the more that you have um, coming out, you should definitely feel that this is a home for you to come and, and talk about it with others that respect your field. And again, as Don has said many times, we do applaud you for your work. You know, I've applauded you over the years. You know, I've supported you over the years um, through a lot of the stuff you've done and the way your brain works, I think is wonderful moving forward in this field. And I just think there's going to be great things, even more to come with you attached to it. So it'll be fun to see what happens. Thank I you. have no doubt. Thank you. Many Mike. great things and continued great success. And we'll always be watching every effort on your part, Chris. Thank you for doing the show with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Wow. I can't say enough about everything he just said. That was absolutely incredible. I think there are points that I don't feel I'm at his intellectual level of some of the things that he says and where he's at, because he has just dove in, especially let's take it back to the Montauk that he did. He just went at that hardcore and, and found and discovered so many valuable key points there. And thanks to him are now being brought to light. Wouldn't you say? I, I certainly would. And I think that's one of the reasons we gave him the credit we did. Uh, it, for me, it was reminiscent of uh, what they referred to as the, uh, the British Roswell, and that being the Wendelsham Forest case of 
1980. And I personally believe that there have been some mind-altering uh, situations with that particular case that they implanted memories, potentially false memories, in, in, in military witnesses who would then uh, discredit themselves by totally speaking off the wall, by giving away almost fantasy uh, descriptions of what did not take place. And, and, and so to me, this, this, this struck a, a nerve that uh, I, I, I see maybe a, a, a pattern Mm -hmm. that has been going on for many, many years with the military. And so I, again, I applaud uh, Chris for tackling this issue. And Absolutely. I, I look forward to him as far as uh, coming out, as far as with many and, and many of his new projects in the future. Yes, and he, I mean, as he stated, he's got several coming and, and he's never gonna stop. I mean, this is something that he has true passion for and that is something to respect. People that truly have this deep passion for these topics of interest. And I think it's important moving forward that having him coming back on our show and others like him to express these passions to bring, as we always say, the truth forward for the disclosure, to get it out on our specific no earth explanations. With that in mind, I am going to give a shout out to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed tonight's show, or maybe perhaps you have comments or anything you'd like to send our way in regards to some of the things that Chris talked about tonight, or perhaps maybe you have some other insights to add to that, feel free to reach out to us at No Earthly Explanations, either on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can also send us a personal message via email at noearthlyexplanation at gmail.com, or we would love to hear your beautiful voices, so please, go on over to anchor.fm forward slash no earthly explanation and you can leave us a voicemail and anything you want to say say it and you can find us on spotify apple and so on and until next time dawn as now i am winded from all of the things that you can find us in places please stay out of trouble because i love seeing you and hearing from you and knowing you're safe don't get thank you, know, you. hey Let goodbye you know aliens that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.